Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening on the Revolution Broadcasting Network. Today is Tuesday, July 20th, 2010. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. I'm your host, Mark Passio, and we have a very, very important show lined up for you here this evening. Uh, before I introduce our special guest and get into tonight's topic, uh, I want to say that the, um, the UFO Awareness Day in Philadelphia that was sponsored by MUFON, Pennsylvania Mutual UFO Network, was a, a great success. We probably had over 75 people out there throughout the course of the day, and um, all of the uh, speakers were really great and very informative. I want to send out a big thanks to Bob Gardner, who organized the event and also spoke. Um, I want to thank the other speakers as well, Michael Melton, Bill Weber, Chris Augustine, and Dr. David Jacobs. And I'd also like to send a thank you out to uh, David Williams for uh, hosting us at uh, Germ Books. So thanks to all of the organizers and speakers and everyone that was involved in a great event. So, uh, with that having been said, I'm going to make one event announcement, and then we're going to jump right into uh, tonight's two-hour-long interview. The only event announcement I have uh, for events coming up in this area is a long way off, but I'm going to read this every week until this event actually occurs, because it's going to be uh, an extremely important event coming up in the Philadelphia area um, in uh, the first part of next year. So this is called Free Your Mind. It's going to be a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. I'm actually hosting this and organizing it. This will be taking place in the Northern Liberty section of Philadelphia at Ruba Hall on Saturday, April 9th, and Sunday, April 10th, 2011. 
The admission price is only going to be $20 per day. We're probably going to have a total lineup of about 14 speakers or so. So far, we have three 100% confirmed speakers. Myself, Mr. Michael Kelly, and Mr. Aaron McCollum. So that's Free Your Mind, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult hosted by yours truly Saturday and Sunday, April 9th and 10th, 2011. That's all the event announcements I have for today. So without any further ado, uh, what we've been doing over the last several weeks and what we will continue to do over the next several weeks is discuss the methodologies of mass control. The methodologies of mind control that are used against the general population. What we're going to do tonight is take a break from the, I guess you could say, the regularly scheduled class, the regularly scheduled classroom environment where we delve into these topics and then take some calls and discuss them. And I'm going to interview a gentleman that was the victim of trauma-based mind control. This is in contrast to what is known as soft mind control techniques or mass control techniques. And this is hard mind control. This is trauma-based mind control, which I'll let our guest tell you a lot more about and relate some of his experiences here on air, live on What on Earth is Happening this evening. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our special guest, Neo. Neo, thank you for being on What on Earth is Happening. Well, you're welcome, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an important subject to talk about. And, uh, well, let's get to it. And I'm going to uh, first uh, discuss briefly my family history. I grew up in a multi-generational satanic family. My father was in the Illuminati. His father was in the Illuminati. My father's family association with the Illuminati probably started in the early 1700s, long before Adam Weissap declared the existence of the Illuminati in 1776, May 1st. Uh, the Illuminati basically goes back all the way to Babylon in many different forms, but it's the primary ancient mystery religion, and it's known to the adherents as the old religion. Uh, basically, uh, my mother and her family, uh, also generational Satanists, uh, my mother traces her witchcraft and her sorcery back 5,000 years to a people known as the Amalekite. The Amalek or Amalekite were a people in Canaan during the uh, time of the uh, first founding of Israel during uh, King Saul in that particular time period. Uh, I have some stories my mother 
uh, told me when they were first training me in the true history of the world that I will relate about the Amalek later. Uh, basically, I have two older brothers, no sisters, and uh, I'm going to go through a brief summation of uh, my life with the cult. I never became a cult member uh, due to uh, my personal rebellion against it. So I was uh, programmed to be what's known as a slave. And basically, uh, there is a hierarchy in the Illuminati. And they basically go on a regimen of I would say bloodline is probably the most important as far as getting a, a good position in the Illuminati. But intelligence and satanic history have a lot to do with it. But for the most part, the Illuminati are locked into a hierarchy that doesn't really change that much unless someone either does something extraordinarily good or extraordinarily bad in the eyes of the Illuminati leadership. Uh, it's a caste system, and it's a programming system, uh, very similar to that which is found in India. You're literally born into your social class and your status in the world. Uh, with programming, you can move up the chain or down the chain, depending on how you're evaluated. But basically, I'm going to uh, just simply go over some of my personal experiences. Uh, I basically can say that I spent seven years in torture, in rape, in abuse, and in hell. Once a child in an Illuminati family reaches, oh, the age of six and seven, the direct torture and rape is, uh, for the most part, taken away because it's too hard for the hypnotism and drugs to cover the uh, abuse instances and the uh, victim would uh, have a realization of what was going on to them. And I'll discuss that later. Uh, my first uh, years of abuse simply started in the cradle. Uh, my father would force me to fillet him while my mother stood behind him. Uh, this went on in the cradle for as long as I was in the cradle. My mother would be looking at me over my father's shoulder with a total spirit of disgust and anger while my father was enjoying the sexuality he was receiving from me. One of the things that causes people to become mind-controlled slaves is a basic dissociation caused in the brain by trauma and by 
receiving two dissimilar signals into your biological computer, your brain, at the same time. So you would have two opposite things going on simultaneously, which causes a basic confusion in your, in your mind. This is done constantly in an Illuminati family. Uh, basically, my father would uh, enjoy himself at my, uh, you know, it, it, you know, I was just a baby, so I didn't know what I was doing. But after he was done enjoying himself, he would then physically pinch and twist my body so that I was suffering in pretty severe pain. And the energy that my father would give off while he was receiving his pleasure from me and then followed by quick, sharp torture is what is the primary basis of the Illuminati system of making a slave and programming the mind. Basically, you are constantly being bombarded by opposite feelings, opposite situations, where the mind is left in a state of confusion as to which way to turn, what to think. And so you're uh, basically uh, in, a, in a state of confusion and fear. Now, there's, there's many things that my parents did as far as drugging, uh, spell casting. Uh, both my parents abused me from the cradle sexually. There was much hunger in my early childhood and other deprivation. And also, the experience of my parents manifesting what I call other dimensional energy or other dimensional uh, forces, uh, whether you could say there are satanic demons inside them or what, I really don't know what to say other than every time I think about my, my memories of people manifesting these other consciousness levels that seem to be demonic, I would always immediately think Phoenician Canaanite. And I believe that is because of the teaching that I was taught of the original history of the old religion. <clears throat> uh, both my brothers and I, all three of us, received monarch mind control training and old religion trauma-based abuse. Uh, what this does is causes disassociative personality or multiple personality conflict. Um, uh, it, it gets very technical uh, when when you talk about it on a psychological basis, but um, there are several excellent authors who have done years of research on monarch mind control. And I'd like to mention one right now, and that is Fritz Springmeier. Fritz Springmeier has done a book called 
how to create the perfect mind control slave. And Fritz Moonmeyer has written four books on the Illuminati and on mind control by the Illuminati. Fritz Springmeyer's books are required reading for anyone who wants to understand what is going on in the power hallways of the world. This world is being run by Illuminati cultists. And uh, we're going to have a discussion of that later in the next hour of who these people are and where they hang out. Neil, if I may stop you for just one moment. Uh, I know a lot of people are really fascinated by uh, hearing your account, and I thank you for being here once again. I just wanted to briefly jump in and give the call-in number for the show to the listening audience because in the second hour, Nia will be taking questions from the audience. So the call-in number for this show, if you would like to call in, and we are going to, um, for this show in particular, limit the questions that come in specifically for Neo, his account of his experiences and trauma-based mind control in general. Please, for this show, do keep the questions to that topic if you're going to call in. I thank you in advance for that. So the call-in number for this show, 724-444-7444. Once again, the call-in number is 724 724- triple four seven triple four and when you call in you have to punch in the call id number for what on earth is happening the call id number for this show is eight three five one five once again the call id eight three five one five so in the second hour we will be taking calls and i'll turn the floor back over to neo Thank you. Uh, I'm not a psychologist. Uh, I spent some time studying what happened to me in uh, psychological books to try to figure out what I could do to heal myself. I have a system that I use that is uh, working well for me in healing. And uh, basically, I've had to just gut it up and just deal with the damage. Uh, I have so many notes, I don't even know where to begin, but I guess I'll just start with talking about some of the major psychological manipulations of monarch and how someone is made into a slave or whatever they want to program you to be. But basically... It's a hierarchy of satanic energy and thought. The abuse of children is done for one primary reason. Human beings naturally have a mindset that is basically good. In order to manifest the murdering, thieving, reckless, warmongering, power-hungry personalities that are in the dark occult, 
you must traumatize the brain causing synapses to be rewired from their natural order. By rewiring the synaptic pathways of the brain, different chemicals are released into the brain from the trauma that cause literal literal permanent brain damage until you start doing exercises to rewire your brain and repair the damage. Because what happens to the neural net in the brain as you think and as you feel over a long-term consistent basis, the neural net in your brain and the hormones and the chemicals in your body will form addictions and hardwired patterns. This is why so many people in the occult have problems with habitual depression, anger, drug abuse, alcoholism, because in dealing with the twisting of their synaptic pathways, they've turned to things to try to cope, usually drugs and alcohol. But I found in the people that I grew up with who are cults that many of them have substance abuse issues. And this is because of what they grew up in primarily. Now, when my father and mother were first raising us, we lived in what I considered a normal development in the Philadelphia region. But when I was three and a half years old, almost four, my father and mother moved us to what I call an occult community around every major metropolitan area in the world there are concentrations of dark occultists arrayed around major metropolitan areas in developments and communities and uh, to try to explain this i will just say the Earth has a geomantic grid around it. This geomantic grid is called ley lines or dragon paths. It's the ancient name. It is the geodesic kind of like dome grid of the energy that naturally flows across this planet. What the Illuminati do and have done is place major cities along the major ley lines of the planet. For instance, London, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. are all located on one ley line so that the energy that is being manifested in these cities can travel up and down these ley lines. And they can kind of like, it's almost like hardwiring together so they can share energy. Around each major metropolitan area, there will be towns and precincts and developments 
where instead of a normal mix of people where only 10% would be of the old religion, you will find concentrations of 70 to 85% of the old religion. And so they literally have communities where you grow up and most of the children you grow up with are involved in the cult trauma rituals that you're going through also. The reason that most metropolitan areas are circled with (coughs) occult towns and developments is so that the energy of the traumatic abuse of children can be fed into the main ley line grid. I know this sounds very uh, foo-foo-ish, but to people that study this stuff, I, I wanted to make that point. So I've made it. When my family moved to the higher concentration cult town, uh, to the outside world, we looked like any other family. There was nothing different with us. We went to church on Sunday. Uh, we paid our taxes. We uh, didn't do anything that would cause anyone to have any uh, thoughts of uh, anything abnormal with us. When would we go to church? And I just want to say some of the major church memories that I have with my parents going, we were Presbyterians. Uh, for whatever that would mean, considering what they really were. Uh, My parents were always close with the hierarchy of whatever church we went to, to the point where my mother would be with the pastor's wife constantly. Uh, The hierarchy of the church, you know, in regular Protestant Presbyterian churches, had no idea that my parents were blood-drinking, mass-murdering, satanic pedophiles. Just thought they were regular people. Which makes me wonder about their spiritual discernment, to say the least. One time we were going to church, we passed the church sign that said Trinity Presbyterian Church. I looked at the sign as we drove in, and I asked my mother, what's Trinity mean? And my mother turned back in the car and looked at me, and she said, that's us. When you study the history of religion and the corruption of spirituality on the planet Earth, you will find a thing known as the Babylonian Trinity. The Babylonian Trinity spans six, 7,000 years. And no matter what name that Trinity is given, the energy and the basic spirituality of it is the same. It doesn't matter if it's Semiramis, Nimrod, It doesn't matter if it's Isis and Horus. It's just 
whatever society that trinity runs through, the spirituality of it is the same. I'm not going to go into that this this show. I'm just going to try to get through some of the uh, abuse uh, memories that I have and try to explain some of the why. Fritz Springmeier's book on Monarch Mind Control is a must-read if you want to understand more of this because it's it's too much for me to deal with in a two-hour program. So I'm going to lightly touch on some of the things I went through so we can actually get some calls and uh, talk to people and I can discuss with Mark some other things. Now, the first time I went into the church of the cult in the Illuminati town that we moved into, the front was just a normal store. No one would know that in the back of this store was a hidden church. It was a fairly large room. It had all the things that a satanic cult needed. It had the goat head baphomet on the wall. It had the pit in the floor where people were lowered in in mock human burial. There was the cattle prod in the corner. There was the car battery for electrical shocks to be given. And there were other devices of beating and torture. Children in an Illuminati family are never left in peace, not for one day. They are under constant attack, so the brain is skewed into a dark, mind-controlled mentality. What What the church of the occult does is you go to meetings of the cult, and there'll be, let's say, four children there, and their parents. There will be some sort of satanic ritual. There will be raping of all the children. There will be a time of physical and emotional abuse. There will be sexual favors given to different cult members by the children. My parents considered their children nothing but well I would say that we were that we existed for one reason and one reason only to facilitate our parents cult activities. We were given freely to other cult members for degradation, torture, humiliation sexual favors, and it was uh, good for my parents. They had three young boys that they could please the older, wealthy pedophiles with, and I'm sure they received a fair share of remuneration for what they uh, put us through. 
in mind control, the personality has to be split into many different smaller pieces and programmed. This programming is done free torture. What your parents do in the first several years is they'll personally torture and play mind games with you and set the ball rolling synaptically in your mind. Once you go into the cult and work with the leaders of the cult, then you get into more serious satanic rituals. And this is usually from three years old to six years old. These rituals consist of murder, horrific abuse, forced cannibalism, the forced eating of feces, and hours and hours of electroshock torture and uh, deprivation. Just Basically, they will torture you till you say uncle, and then they will torture you some more and some more until you are out of your mind, terrorized, begging God to kill you just to stop the agony. What the Illuminati wish to do to their people to make them as they are is to get you to believe that you have been completely abandoned by your society, by God, and you have nothing but what they tell you. Now, one of the things, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my notes and wondering whether I should talk about certain things, but... Now, I'll start here, for instance. When I was probably four years old, my parents gave me a true history of the world. What they described to me is that there was a society known as Atlantis that they traced their belief system back to the Atlantean warlocks of old. Then there was a cataclysm on the earth which geologically happened at 9,600 B.C. and is written about in the book The Day the Earth Nearly Died by authors Allen and Dallaire. The authors Allen and Dallaire have written three books on the 9,600 B.C. Earth Cataclysm. The Day the Earth Nearly Died is one Another book is Cataclysm, uh, Cataclysm 9,600 uh, 9, B.C. <coughs> and either one of those books is a great history lesson in geography and in Earth history because the destruction of the previous high civilizations on Earth, 10,000 B.C., open the door for what we are experiencing in the world today. It appears that the Atlanteans survived the Holocaust of 9,600 B.C. better than others. 
and we're able to set up a renewed society in Sumer and then in Egypt and the Indus Valley. So they got a head start on their rivals in the Pacific Ocean, which would be the Lemurians, which basically, from my knowledge, became the uh, indigenous peoples of the world. My parents always believed that from the planet and star system Sirius, a group of beings came millennia ago, possibly as much as 500,000 years ago, I'm not sure, but many, many eons ago, believe me, and manipulated the DNA of the human race and made some of the Atlantean warlocks a specific genome type different than most Homo sapiens. These people consider themselves the elite. Uh, from research done, it would appear that 4% of the human race has this different genetic makeup. Now, they say that they're Illuminati, they've controlled the world since the cataclysm, and uh, they're not going anywhere. And they basically give their allegiance, the generational Satanists give their allegiance to this very small minority on top who would be considered the trillionaires of the world, who are deep, deep occultists and people who believe that they are genetically different than the human race. The uh, discussion of Sirius and the uh, beings that came here also uh, opens up a discussion that there are possibly other dimensions in our universe. And this was discussed also to me as a child. And that uh, the other dimensions and uh, the uh, Syrians basically have taken over the world and are running the world through a dark occult system. And even though people believe they are free, and in fact, they are not. One of the things that's done in the Illuminati system is physical marks may be put on a person so that people in the cult can recognize who is what, almost like the dots on the caste system people from India. For instance, I have a cattle prod mole on the side of my cheek, and this is to designate me as a manipulated slave. If someone I was doing business with was a cult and recognized what I was, he could simply flash an occult symbol at me and I would literally work for pennies on the dollar. Uh, 
some of the things that I went through personally with my parents. One of the first mind-splitting traumas to make a multiple personality uh, individual, that is mind control, is at the age of three to four, they're placed in a cage no bigger than a, uh, oh, I would guess a uh, small dog cage. The child is placed in the cage and you're literally bunched up to where you cannot even move. And then the cage is left alone for, oh, basically two, maybe two and a half, three days. So you're in that cage. You've already screamed yourself uh, hoarse. There's no point in yelling for help anymore. No one's going to come and help you. Then after two days, into the room walks your father, your savior. He's here. Unfortunately, it's not your father. It's the other inside him. He is in full other dimensional spiritual entity manifestation, and he is seething with what the Apostle Paul calls the absolute hate of the devil. And he looks at you with such utter hate, murderous hatred, and it's literally uh, the energy coming off him is something that I can't describe when these people really go into full other dimensional manifestation mode. It's not human. It's definitely not of this world, and it's definitely evil and malevolence beyond verbal description. So as a child, I looked up and saw that it wasn't my father there to rescue me. It was the enemy, and it was the enemy of all humanity. What this does to the child and what it did to me, was literally my mind imploded. And this is called a primary split. And from that split, <coughs> many uh, programming and hypnotic suggestions are based. How the Illuminati actually do this programming and the in-depth Manufacture of a slave is described in Fritz Springmeier's book, Monarch Mind Control, How to Build in a, a Perfect Mind Control Slave. I'm not going to go into that. I'm just going to say that's one experience I went through as a child. Another experience would be the buried alive experience, very uh, popular. And basically, you're drugged probably a form of hallucinogenic. You are placed in a very tight coffin and lowered into a grave at the church of Satan. Your father, who is your primary handler, will dress up literally in the father-god garb 
of white flowing robes with long silver hair and beard and have a large book in his hand. And as you are, and this is a very deep hole they lower you into while you're uh, on hallucinogens. So you're already out of your mind. Uh, And you look up probably 10 feet, maybe more. And there is your father. Now, I recognized my father in this father-god costume. But my mind instantly denied that. And my father had this giant book in his hand, and he screamed at me, this is the book of life, and your name is not in it. You are condemned. And you go lower and lower. And uh, the ritual basically imprints on your shattered mind, your split mind, that basically you're going to hell, and there's nothing you can do about it. And even though consciously at that time I recognized my father, it didn't matter. The psychological damage was done. And uh, I I just, you know, it's actually taken me years of thinking about that ritual to realize that for a brief moment I did recognize that God figure as my father but immediately went into denial about it. Now, as my father and mother and some of the cult members would torture me, at one time when my father was torturing me extremely painfully for long periods of time with a car battery, uh, the car battery would be placed, the shock would be given at the base of the spine or the genitals, and it would hit your lower part of your brain like a sledgehammer. It's extremely painful throughout the entire body. By the time they do this over and over again, you're just begging for death. You don't want to, anything would be better than this. So, basically, my father says to me, would you like to join with Jesus? Now I go, who's that? And he says, Jesus, the son of God, you want to join with him? And I'm like, will he get me out of here? And my father goes, yeah. Well, I joined with Jesus. Uh, The torture continued. And basically, the reason for that is anything that's good and wholesome in this world has to be destroyed in a person's mind. You have to have a complete distrust of anything that represents morality, community, goodness, You have to know deep inside your program mind that it's false and that it cannot be trusted and that only the cult is where you belong. So basically, 
when a child is raped and tortured in the name of that society's uh, primary religion, what happens to the person subconsciously after that is every time they see a church, they're subconsciously triggered into memories of the mind control torture. So they're constantly held in the torture dungeon in their subconscious. I began to resist my parents probably at the age of five. Just simply getting tired of the never-ending harassment, rape, brutalization, and torture. After church on Sunday morning, we would always go to the satanic church where other families were there to engage in monarch mind control rituals and seminars to teach and program the children how to be good little demons. Basically, I remember one day, the church pastor was shaking hands at the door of the church one fine spring morning. And my parents were leaving, and the three children, we were standing at the foot of the steps waiting for my parents to exit the main sanctuary. The pastor shook my father and mother's hands so enthusiastically and thanked them for showing up at the church that when my mother got into the car with us to go to the satanic abuse center, She looked at my father and said, maybe we should have asked him to come too. The reason I bring that story up is simply through my experience, I have never seen one status quo religion that has spiritual, intuitive, natural insight that can look at an Illuminati and recognize them for what they are. They simply don't see it. They don't have the spiritual discernment to see it. And I really, really wonder what that's all about. Years of drugging, beating, and abuse go on and basically, you're, you become a compliant person to whatever authority is in the cult. Now, one day, after being raped in the morning, we got up as a family and went to the breakfast table. Well, one morning, I complained out loud at the breakfast table to my entire family that I did not appreciate my father raping me and my mother holding me down while he did it the night before. My middle brother turned to me and said, you're not supposed to talk about that. And when he said that, everyone in my family 
stood up from the breakfast table and walked away, leaving their meals behind them. So I guess I knew where I stood in my not wanting to cooperate with my father and mother's sickness. One of the things that goes on in an Illuminati community, there are house parties of children being raped while they're on drugs. At these house parties where drugged toddlers from uh, three to six years old are being sexually abused while under drugs, a small glass bead will be handed to the victim while they're being raped. The victim is told to hold on in the palm of their hand this small glass bead with a hole drilled in it. Very much like a lifesaver, only smaller. This glass bead is then taken by one of the witches and the victim never sees it again. But the victim is told that every time they come to that particular ritual on that particular drug, they will receive a talisman of glass. Forty years later, after I started breaking my programming, my oldest brother took me down to see some occult people at their shore home that were trying to reboot my programming, which was not working. I was I was done with it. And uh, by the grace of the spirit of life, I got a, a uh, miraculous... Uh, revelation as to what had happened in my life. Basically, all my memories flooded into my mind in a very short period of time. This is known as a trigger was uh, brought to my attention and it literally dropped the file of forgetfulness into my consciousness. But considering that the Illuminati was using me in business to their advantage. They didn't want to see me stand up on my own two feet and uh, stop being abused financially by them. So my oldest brother, who did become cult, which I did not know at this time, I just knew about my father and mother, took me down to a... uh, vacation home of a major occultist from the occult community in which I grew up in. While in their vacation home, I had to go to the bathroom. So I go into one of the bathrooms in this house, and there is a teddy bear on top of the toilet tank. And many people have potpourri baskets or 
a vase of flowers or paper towels on top of the toilet tank. But in this particular house, there was a teddy bear. And this teddy bear had a very special necklace on. This teddy bear had a necklace of glass beads round its neck. And when I looked at that necklace of glass beads, I remembered the occult ritual of being raped on drugs with the glass bead. And so I counted the glass beads that that one particular teddy bear had. It was probably 60 glass beads around its neck. I don't know if they were all from me, but I'm sure quite a few of them were. That man and woman who owned that vacation home have never been charged with pedophilia, have never been hassled by the authorities ever. Of the hundreds of families that I know personally that are occult, satanic, mass-murdering, Illuminati pedophiles in the Philadelphia area, I have heard of none of them ever getting hassled by the police. Never. My parents had friends from college where they met who were also pedophile Satanists. And we would go visit them and they would have their way with us. One of my father's casual friends was an artist. He unfortunately got caught for pedophilia because although he was a pedophile like my father, he was not Illuminati. Therefore, he received no protection from the powers that be. When he was caught as a pedophile, he was sentenced to 16 years in jail. One of the rituals that the Satanists do in the cult I grew up in is a heart of stone ritual where a drugged, hypnotized child is told that their heart is being removed by the high priestess witch and that their heart is going to be placed in the temple of Molech. This is a terrifying ritual to go through. When they did this ritual to me, and it was the wife of the occult leader in the occult town I grew up in who performed this satanic ritual on me, all I can remember from it was just a feeling of total and complete implosion, emotionally and spiritually. 
Now, of course I know they did not take my heart from me. But when you are hypnotized and drugged, you'll practically believe whatever you're told, especially from people that have been consistently torturing you for years. All of this is, there are so many rituals, uh, orgies. Basically, in the rituals and orgies, you'll be engaged in some kind of sexual pleasuring of someone and then immediately be hit with electrical shock. There's a constant... Oh, this is good. Oh, no, it's bad. Oh, this is good. Oh, no, it's bad. And just anything to shatter the mind, anything to create confusion, anything to make you wish you never were born. One of the things that happened to me was because my mother was especially sadistic and she was probably of all the people I've met and can remember in the cult, probably the most sadistic. No one enjoyed murder more than my mother. No one enjoyed pure Marquis de Sade torture than my mother. What she did with me, seeing that she had a feisty child on her hands, one that had its own mind and its own thoughts, well, she encouraged my rebellion through spell casting and some of the other mind control techniques she knew about. In this way, I was more rebellious than I would have been naturally, which gave her more opportunity to inflict correction. So I realized that although once I grew old enough, five years old, six years old, to realize what was truly going on with these people and how wrong it was, then I went into full rebellion. When we were driving from our Christian church to the Church of Satan one day, we were, my brother, middle brother, and I were complaining to my parents, we don't want to go. And my mother turned to me and said, oh, you don't like what we're doing to you? Well, we'll just kill you and dump you in the forest. To which my brother, middle brother, said, go ahead, I don't care. And I added, yeah, go ahead, kill us. I don't care either. I was probably four years old and my older brother five. And we were serious. After years of rape and torture, we would have preferred death at that moment. There are many books out on satanic ritual abuse. The one book that you need to read 
to understand this matter more fully because I'm not well-versed in how to explain what I've gone through, nor am I ever going to be. My mission in life is learning healing modalities for other trauma-based mind control abuse victims. And that's all I'm considering in my life today. I have no desire for justice, revenge. What happened to me in my life is over with the cult, and I am done with it. I am merely making this presentation with Mark Passio tonight to open the eyes of people so that they understand that horrific, systematic, occult abuse is going on nationwide in America and throughout the world. 10% of the U.S. population is engaged in the old religion. Now, how many of the old religion are Illuminati? I do not know. But according to my Amalekite mother, she claimed to me when I was in the training of the true history that actually over 10% of America, more like 12%, was involved in the Illuminati Freemasonic conspiracy to take over the world, which is known today as the New World Order. I'm not sure if it's as much as my mother said, that 12%, but from my studies, I would say 10% would, would be acceptable. 9% would be acceptable. So of the old religion of Molech and the other human sacrificers of the Canaanite Phoenician ilk, Basically, you can say in America, there are roughly 30 million adherents to the old religion. They form, for the most part, the rank and file of the satanic machinery that runs the world. They are the police officers. They are the teachers. They are the engineers. They are the professors. They are the doctors. They are the nurses. To control a society, you don't need to have everyone in a position of power. You just need key levers of power under constant control. Now... How the human race is going to break this control, I do not know, other than becoming aware. That's the first step. One of the uh, magical things that the Illuminati mind controllers can do is they can convince you of things in a uh, spiritual dimension. For instance, I mentioned the heart of stone ritual where your heart is taken out and placed in the temple of Moloch. Now, there's another 
thing that they do. And that is, when the Illuminati have someone in cult that is shown to have a consciousness that will never cooperate, they're given a special level of programming. This programming is known as spider web programming. This programming is a programming of ultimate mental chaos. One of the things that the high priestess witch did to me in the spider web programming when it was realized by the cult that I had a consciousness that would never go cult was they made drugged me and made me to believe that I was inside of a giant blown glass object. I would say the size of a 20 by 20 room, maybe even larger, but it was amber colored and somewhat round in shape. In this glass chamber was myself and also three giant spiders. Now, of course, my what they had told me was that I was, and you have to understand, I'm hypnotized, I'm drugged, I'm under thousand-year-old satanic mind control suggestion. These are, they have rituals and spell casting and they know things about the human mind that I can't even describe. But essentially they convinced me and I saw it in my mind's eye. Myself in this glass chamber with three giant spiders and I ran for those, from those spiders for 40 years. Part of my consciousness was in that chamber running from those giant spiders. Just a little boy. Which subconsciously what that ritual does is it puts you subconsciously always in a state of panic, which is uh, very good for uh, someone having a negative uh, mindset. Uh, one of the things I'm, I'm going to talk about is as I rebelled, a uh, certain friend of mine, a young boy, who was in the cult and a friend of mine was uh, going through the usual Illuminati raping one Friday night. And his colon was torn uh, by being raped so viciously. And he developed a bacterial infection. In his infection, 
it spread throughout his body. He went septic. And in the space of a couple of days, died. When he died, I tried to go to the police and get help and tell them of the murder. Now, I did this through a third party. Unfortunately, when the third party went to the police to tell them of the child's raping and death by septus, the police looked at the man and said, oh, we know what's going on there, but we can do nothing about it. And that was the end of that. The man whom I approached to help in the murder of my friend was a Christian. He did everything he could in his power to get justice for my friend and for myself at that time when I was six years old. But he could not tell the police to do something they refused to do. There was a time that the police fought with the cult my father was in, in this one particular tri-state area uh, community. Three policemen were quickly dispatched by Illuminati assassins. From that day forward, the police stayed away from the cult. That is why when the Christian man I asked to help me went to the police, the police said, we'd like to help, but we can't do anything about it. The Illuminati elite have armies of private mercenaries at their disposal and have no problem killing people who get in our way, including police. When John F. Kennedy was murdered in Dallas, we watched as a family the funeral. My father said to my mother, we did this. It's called the death of a king ritual. This is to traumatize the nation. My father also mentioned that day that the driver of Kennedy's limousine was the Illuminati's man. When the leader of the cult in the cult community that I was in died of a heart attack, my mother cried for three days straight. It's interesting to note that my mother cried for three days straight wailing the death of a mass murderer, pedophile, 
child torturer with trauma-based mind control, people's spirituality, mentality is turned 180 degrees opposite of what is natural for a human being. Evil is good. Good is evil. And many, uh, many, many uh, personal tales to tell. They're all quite despicable. But these people, through hypnotism and uh, drugging, can convince you uh, emotionally and spiritually, they can put you just about in any place they want to. And of course, uh, having a handy car battery around, that's always helpful too. Neil, I'm just going to jump in for one moment here. And uh, I want to thank you again for being here. Uh, Incredible information, extremely disturbing yet enlightening simultaneously. Um, I just want to remind the listening audience out there that if you do want to call in and have any questions for Neo about trauma-based mind control, the call-in number is 724-444-7444. Once again, the call-in number, 724-444-7444. The call ID number for this show, 83515. When you call in, punch in the call ID number for what on earth is happening. The call ID number is 83515. It's a little past the, uh, it's uh, almost, we're almost at the 20 minute mark at, uh, after the second hour. So we have about 40 minutes left in the show tonight. Uh, that's plenty of time to take some calls. We don't have any callers on the line as yet because I'm sure. People are very interested in in hearing uh, this story. But uh, if anybody wants to call in, just give us a call and hold on the air, and we'll we'll get to your calls momentarily. Neo, the floor is yours again. Well, I I think we should take some calls and talk to some people about what's going on in this world. And uh, it's going to – this is the first time I've ever – spoken out about this, Mark. I'm not that literate a speaker to talk about this subject. I recommend two books for people that want to know about this information that uh, can explain it better than I can. And Fritz Springmeier's books, all four of them, deal with these subjects and the Illuminati. And a book that would uh, make you understand personally uh, what it's like to grow up in a satanic family would be Kathy O'Brien's Transformation of America. Kathy O'Brien was a sex slave for the Illuminati. And her story in Transformation of America 
details the first 30 years of her life in a generational satanic family and how her father sold her to the intelligence agencies to be used as a presidential model sex slave and uh, black ops operative. And it's a, it's a really, really important book. Any person in America that wants to understand the true heart of the evil they're dealing with in the elite needs to read that book. So you got any calls? Uh, no one is uh, holding on the line yet. So uh, if anyone does want to call in, you have those numbers. I'd recommend another couple of books, actually, on the topic. Um, I think the Franklin cover-up is an excellent book to understand uh, how this satanic abuse is covered up uh, by the so-called authorities, uh, how the police won't get involved, how courts won't get involved. I believe that's written by John DeCamp. And uh, I think, in general, a great book about mind control is Mass Control by Jim Keith that goes into um, a variety of both um, trauma-based techniques as well as mass mind control techniques like propaganda and um, uh, mass mind manipulation uh, perpetrated upon the masses of people. So um, I think those are two excellent books to cover this topic as well. So what I really like to uh, ask you in particular, or actually I had to have a comment and then a couple of questions, but um, one of the things you mentioned is that when you went to the police, their complete unwillingness to get involved with anything uh, in taking down this system of abuse and torture. And you had talked about a lot of these police are involved in some of these of this cult activity. But what I would like to bring up is the attitude of some of these elitists when it comes to the so-called controlling classes, which aren't really the controlling classes, they're the mind-controlled classes, but people who think that they're in some form of control, like the police, the military, etc., even the intelligence agency uh, uh, operatives. In my years of involvement in the occult, and we've had discussions about this in private, in our levels about our levels of involvement, clearly yours goes deeper as far as being in the heart of a, an Illuminati bloodline-based family. My involvement in the occult was based in more peripheral structures, secret societies, you could call it, but they're, they're basically outer-lying structural um, formations that are there to um, basically weed out people who are unsuited to propagating the agenda of the higher-ups and to take people that have a more psychopathic personality up to higher levels of this outer 
shell, you could, you could call it, and into the center of the web, so to speak. So it's a, it's a weeding out process, or it's a, um, uh, a process of discovering certain personality traits that they're looking for uh, to take people into higher levels of involvement. And in my dealing with occultists at this level of the hierarchy, the attitude that they displayed toward the police and military was so appalling and revealing simultaneously that I could barely believe some of the things that came out of these people's mouth when they talked about how they viewed the police in general. And they basically called the police our dogs was a word that I, a term that I always heard them mention referring to the police. They called them our mutts, our mutts, our dogs. They, they, they just said, we have these beings, if you even want to call them that, on such a leash that they, they, they're not even human beings. They might as well just simply, we just refer to them as our dogs because they will do whatever we command as long as money keeps flowing to their paycheck and their direction or their pensions, however you want to view it, depending on their involvement, whether it's police or military. But in comparison to the general population, who they call the dead, by the way, because they, are, they consider them spiritually dead, having no discernment, like you talked about earlier, um, they, they don't even consider them to be alive, so they look at it as we are abstained from anything we may do to these people because for all intents and purposes they are already spiritually dead. Uh, so I don't know if you saw anything like that in your years of involvement in the, the cult that you were traumatized by, but mm. I just wanted to bring that up as a comment. Well, all right, I'm going to tell this story. I have <coughs> basically seven years of satanic ritual abuse stories I could share. Uh, and I, I'm looking at my notes, and uh, I didn't want to talk about this story, but I'm going to now. It was a man my father worked with who had a little girl. My father liked to sexually abuse this little girl. So he would, we as a family, would go over to this man's house, and he had a wife and his little girl. And my father and this man would have a few beers, and then the sexual abuse would start. I believe that my father was paying this man to abuse his daughter. And I also believe that this man at first thought it was okay because his daughter was like three years old. And I think I, I was probably at the most three and a half, four. What I remember was this man, one day, when we were over at his house, 
I remember seeing him with a rather disgusted look on his face that he, he realized what he was doing was wrong and he was going to put a stop to it, which I believe he did. Because irregardless of whether he could uh, believe that his daughter would remember the abuse or not, I think he had decided that this was a selfish and wrong thing to do. Now, my father in the cult had a hypnotic device that was the size of uh, the palm of your hand. This hypnotic device I always called a spinner. It could, once he triggered that spinning hypnotic device, you would be hypnotized in probably 10 seconds. Now, I believe that you need to have had a some form of dissociative conditioning for that spinner to hypnotize you, but who knows? Maybe not. But my father did use the spinner on myself, my brothers, and other victims. But what I was going to say about this one man, as he tried to break away from my father abusing his daughter, I remember my mother and father talking about the situation. And my father said to my mother, everything's fine. They sent some detectives over to talk to him and straighten him out. So this man was going to go to the police and submit himself as a child molester in order to get to my father. But when the police came to him and told him what was going on, in fact, telling him that they basically gave him an ultimatum. They said, if you don't kill yourself, we're going to throw you in jail for pedophilia or murder you. Anyway, several days later, he ran his car into a uh, concrete abutment and killed himself. But I remember my father and mother talking about this man and saying that police detectives had talked to him. And I'm filling in that the police detectives told him who was running the show, and that was the Illuminati. I see we have a caller from southeastern Pennsylvania. Let's take this call. Caller from the Philadelphia area, you're on What on Earth is Happening. Hi, Mark. Hi, Neo. This is Chris. Hey, Chris. How are you? Good. Uh, First of all, I want to thank Neo for um, coming forward with this information. Um, I think it's by the grace of God that he remembers what happened. Um, and it takes a lot of courage to do what he's doing. Um, I can't imagine how many other people out there have had similar experiences but can't remember because they've been hypnotized or brainwashed or whatever. Um, I get a sense um, by comparing 
who I think we, what we really can be as a species to what we are, that what Neil is saying is true, that the forces that we are up against are imaginably evil, and I'm not certain how we're going to conquer this evil, but I'm certain that we will with the help of God. Um, I don't know what the next step is. I think one of the reasons they are able to control people is because they use fear. Like you talk about the police officers and, and then they, they fall in line because they're fearful. Um, well, some of the people in, in, in this world who aren't fearful need to take a stand collectively together and put an end to this insanity because Satan is ruling this world. Um, and if you really realize who we are, not just humans, but spiritually, and what we're doing in this world, it's clear to me that that's the case. I couldn't agree more, Chris. I think that's a brilliant insight and uh, um, an excellent way to basically explain it. Um, fear is the force that is holding this satanic hierarchy in its position of so-called power in the world, which is basically illusory power because it is based in fear. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll, let, uh, I'll let Neo uh, respond to that. All right, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Neo. You're welcome. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing to me that of the, uh, well, I know very well that in this region, thousands and thousands of people have gone through the uh, system that I grew up in. And yet only a handful of people in this world have come forward and really spoken out. And I would recommend Kathy O'Brien, uh, her book, uh, Transformation of America, for a better understanding of the personal journey of a trauma-based mind control victim and also of an overcomer because I consider myself an overcomer. I consider my mission in life is to find healing for myself and other victims. And I've gone a long way to do that. And there's a lot of things that I want to talk with on Mark's future shows about healing and what we can do as a species to raise our consciousness now so that we can combat the evil energy that these Illuminati rituals are pouring into our collective uh, space. And there's, there's, there's much to be discussed about why. Why do they attack infants? Why do they uh, release blood? Uh, there's... there's much to discuss there. But I also I found it very, um, very noteworthy that you are not seeking revenge, that you are now in the healing. And I think that's important in one sense that you're, when, you, when you don't hold a grudge any longer, you no longer let that power control you. And yes, I think absolutely. You had mentioned that your, one of your siblings had gone cult, whereas you didn't go cult. And I think what happens is that the system propagates itself and that they pick on, you know, young minds. And then those minds become so distorted and so, you know, confused 
that they in turn go cold, and the system perpetuates itself in some sick circle, in some sick cycle. Yes, they're, they're driven by vengeance as opposed to wanting to he- truly heal. And I'm going to have Neil back on a future show, probably in a few weeks, to talk about healing modalities and how uh, this kind of uh, twisted, sick, uh, black energy can be overcome through different uh, healing techniques because he is very versed in uh, a lot of different healing uh, methodologies. So um, one thing I want to uh, bring up, and Chris, I want to really thank you for uh, your call. Uh, Great insights that you brought up. Uh, feel free to call in any time in the future. Always, uh, always great to hear from you. Thanks, Mark. I look forward to that future show. I'll be very, very interested in hearing what you has to say about that. Great. Thanks, Chris. Right. Have a good night. Good night, guys. Bye-bye. Uh, I'd like to mention just a couple more authors that I think people would benefit from reading some of their material. Um, on trauma-based mind control, there is uh, a great book by Bryce Taylor. Bryce Taylor. Uh, She wrote a book called Thanks for the Memories. Um, Also, check out any of the books of David Icke, who gets into trauma-based mind control uh, a bit in his book and specifically gets into some of the the old religion, as Neo uh, termed it, the mystery traditions, if you will, the perverted version of the mystery traditions. I'd like to offer as a caveat to that. Uh, There are two sides to all of this. There are, I believe, powerful, positive um, allegories and symbology within some of the mystery tradition uh, um, uh, philosophies. And this aspect, the dark occult, takes them, perverts them, uses them as weapons against the population so that they can come out on top in a position of so-called power. Uh, there is a light side to this. It is not all dark, and some of the techniques that uh, we'll talk about in, on future shows are derived out of some of the positive uh, uh, philosophies and positive methodologies of uh, some of these older um, mystery religions. Uh, Jordan Maxwell is another author that you should check out regarding the uh, ancient religions that are based that that have been used to base these trauma-based mind control techniques upon he has a particular book called that old time religion that i would recommend so uh jordan maxwell that old time religion david ike pretty much any of his books um and bryce taylor thanks for the memories there they were just a few that i came up with while while sitting here thinking about more uh books that deal with this particular topic for the uh, listening audience to check out. So, uh, Neil, you also wanted to touch upon, we have about 20 minutes left in the show, you wanted to touch upon some images that are up on the website, on the radio page, on the Listen Live page, that are basically old photos taken from Bohemian Grove. Now, uh, Bohemian Grove, for listeners that may not be aware of this location, and what takes place at it is a clearing in the Redwood Forest of California, about 70 miles north of San Francisco. Um, High-level occultists and elitists meet there yearly at midsummer to partake in rituals 
and they engage in mock human sacrifices at this location, uh, a ritual known as the cremation of care, which I will get into more in future shows, uh, particularly when we get into occult symbology. And um, the cremation of care essentially is a ritual of um, absolvement of sins. It is a absolution ritual to basically cremate one's own care for all of the vile evils that one will be committing during the course of the year. So they go there to forgive themselves of all of the torture that they have put others through and forgive themselves of all the evil deeds that they have done, the defraudment that they have done, the lying, thieving, killing, etc., that uh, their ilk has partaken in over the previous year. So, and this goes deeper than that. This is about psychologically destroying or immolating, burning up one's own care, one's own conscience. It's a ritual that is about the destruction of conscience. Ultimately, that's symbolically what this ritual represents. So on the website, if you go to the radio page, which is uh, listed uh, at the link at the top left where you see Listen Live, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. If you click that on my website, whatonearthishappening.com, you'll see under there, it's a temporary section. I'll be moving it to the podcasts tomorrow. But temporarily up there, it'll say images for tonight's show, July 20th. And uh, you can take a look at some of the images that we'll be talking about. So, Neo, do you want to uh, talk about some of these images that you asked to have put up regarding Bohemian Grove? <clears throat> well, the reason that I wanted us to discuss the Grove is because of uh, the truth of what's going on in this world. And you and I have a concern about the corrupt wing of the mystery religions that have become nothing more than cold-blooded, pedophile, mass-murdering, fraud, and corruption, drug-dealing psychopaths bent on ecologically, spiritually, emotionally destroying the earth and the human race. And uh, I couldn't have summed that up any better. No. Well, the first picture, I mean, I'll just say, the first picture that you see is the actual midsummer uh, creation of care. It's done in the evening, and uh, all the uh, priests and the high priestess are there with their torches. Well, actually, I don't think there's any women there. But uh, There are no women at the Grove. Not even the employees. <laughs> no women employees. There's there's no priestesses, but no. but I I swore I saw pictures of women at the Grove. We'll, we'll, we'll get, have we'll, to talk about this some more. We'll get to that. Well, what I want to discuss about the Grove is human sacrifice. In the cult I grew up with, my parents were adherents to a demon known as Andres, the uh, Lord of 40 Legions. He is the Marquis of Hell. His name is Andres, and he supposedly rules 40 legions of demons. 
Now, the Andrus cult practices human sacrifice, along with pedophilia and murder of their enemies. But in the standard Andrus sacrifice, a child of about five years old will be put under hypnotism or in a drug-induced trance. A victim, usually opposite sex, because uh, they like you to have uh, sexual relations with the victim before they axe murder it, the person. So basically, you'll come out of a trance and you're a five-year-old kid, there'll be like four to six occult members around you. You'll come out of this trance, and right in front of you is a girl who, the last time you saw her, you were playfully having sexual uh, uh, pleasure with, you know, even in an infantile way. And there she is again, her arms and legs chopped off, gash wounds all over her body, and she is slowly choking to death on her own blood. And everyone in that room turns and looks at you when you come out of that trance and says, You butcher, look what you did. Every person in the Illuminati has a similar experience like that. I lived through that. That is one of the main traumas that is used. Human sacrifice is real and ongoing in America and in the corrupted old religion. Mark? That's utterly chilling and appalling. Uh, Think that they would do that, blame it then on a child who then thinks that they perpetuated, uh, perpetrated that act uh, is just unfathomable. So there, there is mock human sacrifices that take place at this location called the Bohemian Grove. Some people say that they aren't mock sacrifices, that uh, there is a real sacrifice taking place, but the mock sacrifice is set up as a diversion for the lower-level initiates who think it you know, just isn't, isn't real, and it's just uh, psychodrama or play-acting. Uh, I think it's pretty sick Either way, uh, I don't know how many people uh, get their entertainment from mock human sacrifices, you know, and think that that's fine or uh, normal. But uh, elite power brokers from just about every aspect of our lives, finance, entertainment, banking, um, uh, you know, via Hollywood, uh, artists. You name it, um, politicians, of course, um, are there and present every year around this time of the year. Let's, uh, let's get into some of the other images. Uh, we'll, we'll, m- image number two shows uh, a boat 
that they float out on this lake in front of this large owl who uh, we can talk about as Molech, uh, an owl slash bull god of Phoenicia, Cana, uh, an Ammonite god, actually, uh, whose human sacrifices in the form of children were offered to in the uh, Levant area um, thousands of years ago. So um, this boat carries a child's effigy upon it, which represents what the Grovers term dull care. That's the name they give to this child, because it represents the inner child. It represents one's conscience. What they do is they float it out there in front of this stone owl and then immolate it. They light it on fire and let it burn up as part of this mock child sacrifice. A mock child sacrifice. Well, I, I see nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I mean, you have Walter Cronkite used to go there every year. Jimmy Carter, former president, has been there many years. Newt Gingrich, image, Ronald Reagan. Image number 16 shows two former presidents, Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon, both at the Bohemian Grove simultaneously, to jump a, a little ahead. But uh, if you look at images three and four, uh, just to move this along a little bit, because we have about 10 minutes remaining in the broadcast tonight, you'll see um, other uh, angles other vantage points of rituals taking place uh, across the the uh, pond from the stone image of Molech. Um, images five and six are banquet tables set up. Five shows a uh, round table style, or uh, you could say Atlantean city-style layout there. That's allegedly what the city of Atlantis was laid out like in concentric circles. Um, six shows some sort of a, uh, a ceremony taking place um, during the, uh, a banquet uh, at the center there. Uh, Neo, do you want to take uh, image number seven? Well, basically... The old religion society, uh, many people think that it's ruled by those who have the most wealth or political power. When in fact, the old religion is ruled by those that know the black arts the most. Those that have the satanic and deep hidden occult knowledge of this, what this world really is and who we really are as beings. And this is a uh, group of uh, high priests at Bohemian Grove uh, dressed in some uh, oriental garb. Yeah, I'd like to make the point that this incorporates religions from all over the world, uh, from the Indus Valley from the Far East, from uh, the Middle East, uh, everywhere. You, you see there's a large statue of the Buddha making the hand mudra behind these priests. 
and there is an altar set up in front of them for immolating sacrifices. Um, so I couldn't agree more. It is about knowledge. It is about hidden knowledge. It is about the knowledge of how the human psyche works, and it is about the knowledge of what this place really is energetically and spiritually. And uh, those are uh, some of the priest, cl priest class that really are controlling the game down here. Let, let's move to the next image. You see some more uh, druidic, perhaps druidic um, garb there in image number eight. Some of the uh, priest class members posing for a shot there in the Redwood Forest. All right, let's go to some of the more strange stuff in images nine and 10. Uh, Leo, you take these. Well, as my mother always said, true love is always in gender. So if you're a man and you want true love, you must be with a man. If you're a woman, you must be with a woman. This is the backwards, trauma-based mind. It's everything upside down. That's, that's, pretty, <laughs> that's pretty disturbing. I think uh, perhaps more so than anything that you talked about tonight, uh, some of our uh, listeners may have some nightmares from images 9 and 10, as I know I may. Um, <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. Uh, let's move on to uh, some of the more uh, esoteric and dark images here in the next four images that we have, uh, 11... 12, 13, and 14 show um, depictions of some of the rituals that take place at the Bohemian Grove. Um, image number 11 shows what looks like a very short black man laying down tied to some sort of a table or board with uh, the other members holding flags over him uh, some some uh, members cross-dressing, seated, that lo almost looked like hags, old hags in front of him, and a dog running by. Uh, I have no idea what we're really looking at there. It's just a bizarre scene. Uh, this, image is, this image was taken in, this photograph was taken in 1909. you have any comments on that? Uh, there, there are many different rituals, and uh, one thing I can say that whether they actually, like the previous picture, whether they're actually going to kill that gentleman or not, these well-trained sorcerers can energetically bring in spiritual energy and change people's mentality and emotions we have about five minutes so let's uh, shoot through the remainder of these pictures there's a a mock hanging in image number 12 in image 13 we have a gentleman laying down with candles placed around him and a hooded initiate reciting some incantations over him in image 14 uh, th this is one that you wanted to talk about uh, more hooded initiates performing a ritual at a grave site 
with uh, arms, hands, and feet sticking out of the grave, and it says, here lies Gus, born every minute, died August 8th, 1940, 1909. Uh, so it's the, uh, the old adage that there's a sucker born every minute. And they refer to the average person as the dead, as I have said many times. Um, and I think they're ritualistically acting this out here in this photo. Now, image 15 is very esoteric, actually. Um, we see some art portrayed in this image with some grovers uh, standing and seated in the picture. And what I'd like to call to the viewer's attention is the image, the long rectangular image in the background. What we're seeing in this image is a depiction of the hierarchy of beings on this planet. We're seeing, if you start at the far right of the image, what they're showing you is a barbarian class of people, nomadic herders, hunter-gatherers, uh, you know, just a, a more animalistic class of people that, you know, may live closer in the nature than we do, but the elite see them as non-civilized, uh, completely animalistic, as I said, and barbarian hordes, essentially. Uh, moving forward, then you see um, what you would have as like anim animal husbandry or agriculture, uh, people who have moved to that stage of civilization. Then you go forward and you have like a, you have like a um, peasant class sort of, uh, the poor, the, un the underprivileged, um, just your average person. You have a, a very overweight person there. Then you have some what look like destitute people. And then moving forward, then you have a more aristocrat, aristocratic class of people until you get forward and now you have the, the people who are handling the castle. Actually, in front of them, you have the so-called controller, the muscle man, right? That's the police and military, symbolically. And then in front of them, you have the financiers, and then the high-level financiers, you could see the individual is holding the umbrella over the, uh, the banker's head there as he marches forward, uh, leading everyone into the future as the main sorcerer, the, the uh, magician, if you will. So we have one minute left in the show. Neo, any final words? Well, when I look at that Bohemian Grove uh, social picture, I mean, basically, the sorcerers are the great hidden Illuminati families are running the show, and the bankers are obeying them. And uh, we're going to have to do this again. Definitely much more information to cover. We will have you back in a future show in a few weeks, and um, we'll cover some solutions uh, regarding energy and healing. And I, I, I'm sure our listening audience will be fascinated about what you will have to say about that. Well, that's my expertise now. Absolutely. Neil, I want to thank you again. Great show. I'm Mark Passio.
You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'll see you here next week.